0: Thank you for tuning in for the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, with a private practice where I specialize in maternal mental health as well as women. With the podcast, we'll be talking all things womanhood, motherhood, and a few things sprinkled in in between. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. Today's episode is sponsored by A Day Accessories. We wear many hats wife, mother, friend, employee, in home housekeeper. And while we take on these responsibilities, it can be hard to also care for our hair care needs. That's where A Day Accessories comes into play look chic in a Zoom meeting with a stylish headband that's no fuss and effortless. Head over to a day accessories over on etsy.com and look up a day a d as in David e is in Edward wraps a day wraps on Etsy to check out the most chic and stylish headbands for a no fuss day to day routine for all mothers and women out there.
1: Thank you guys for tuning
0: in for another episode of the Push Through Podcast, and I am so excited to have my next guest, Erin Simpson. Hello, Erin. Hi, Keisha. (laughs) Now, Erin is... Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. Um, She is an author. Um, Anybody who attended the Push Through Mama Breathe event that I had in September was able to get her journal that was in your package that you got that kind of paired along with that. Um, But in addition to her being an author, she's also an advocate for perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, and she's a mother. Um, So I'm excited just to be able to talk about her own experience with motherhood and what prompted her to start her advocacy as well as writing about her experience. So... First, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Um, I am, I just, well, I guess this summer, I have no concept of time anymore. Um, <laughs> I just turned 36 and my kids are five and three, um, so uh, the Christmas break, um, I'm using air quotes, kind of made me freak out that I'm about to have a kindergartner. Oh. and how are they even going to be ready for school because of homeschooling? And um, so that's where I am right now. I'm kind of a, like a worry wart ball of just like chaos and energy. <laughs> and um, so I, I stay at home with the kids. Um, so I'm a mom, I'm a teacher, I'm the chef, I'm the <laughs> launderer, the cleaner, <laughs> um, the entertainer the event planner. Um, and so for the last six months, I'll say I have not even typed out a sentence for good moms have bad days. I think the last post even that I did on Instagram was in November. Um, so, uh, which is weird for me because I've been writing since I was about uh, probably in sixth grade, but professionally Mm. since, um, 2004, mm-hmm. um, and I worked as a newspaper reporter before becoming um, a outreach director for Girl Scouts mm. in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I loved working with the girls, um, and then I did um, health outreach for a cancer hospital in Charlotte as well before I became a mom. Then I got struck Pretty, pretty bad with um, postpartum depression, and um, that was when we made the switch to me being a full-time mom.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, before we dive into your motherhood experience, are you originally mm-hmm. from Charlotte? No. So
1: I have a, a, a weird um, family moving history, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, my I was born in Turkey. My oh, cool. mom, my mom's American, was American. <laughs> she just passed um, in December. Oh. Um, but uh, she was American. My dad was Turkish. They met at UNC Greensboro mm. um, when he was an exchange student. They whisked off to Turkey for their whirlwind romance and um, had me and my brother. And then my mom moved us here when things with the two of them went south. So um, I grew up in North Carolina, um, but I've lived kind of all over the state um, for work reasons. Um, And now we are in Wilmington at the coast
0: where hopefully we will be indefinitely
1: um, after three years in Texas for my husband's job.
0: Right. I remember when we were talking um, earlier, I think you were in the process of moving or you had recently moved. Yeah, I think we had just moved, mm-hmm. like maybe
1: like within a couple of
0: weeks, mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: had just finally gotten back to North Carolina.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So throughout your childhood, um, and you may not because some some girls, you know, motherhood is just like a far fetched thing. But of course, like us being introduced to Disney and how that kind of warped mm-hmm. a lot of our minds of you know getting married and meeting french charming and, and all of that nonsense but did you feel like you always knew that you wanted to be a mother or was that something that was not even like a thought until you were older
1: um i'm really glad you asked that because um the last couple of years have made me think about that a lot no i did not want to be a mom mm. um i had always said I think the first time it like clicked in my head was when we were in high school and trying to figure out like college and stuff like that. And, and for some reason, when I was having those conversations with family, I was always like, I don't want kids. Mm. I want to do X, Y, Z, and I want to be here. And I want to do this and da, da, da. And like, I just, it was not on the radar. Um, And I, I think part of it was just because of, my family dynamic Mm -hmm. and having seen the divorce with my parents and just, um, just knowing what I went through as a, as a kid and adolescent, like puberty was rough. Mm -hmm. Um, middle school was terrible. (laughs) You, you know, I didn't, I never really felt comfortable in my skin probably until, I mean, maybe in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So until motherhood and all that stuff happened, Mm -hmm. um, uh, So, but then I met my now husband, and I was just so in love with him Mm -hmm. and his family, and they had such a different dynamic than what I grew up in. They were a big family, boisterous, always did holidays really well, really fun. Um, I mean, my family did holidays fun, too. I'm not, you know, uh, not to disparage them, Mm -hmm. but there was just something about, Michael's family dynamic that I was like, I could see having kids. And, um, we, we got married and, um, we had like six months between our, um, uh, ceremony and our like reception. And, um, we, (laughs) we got pregnant like (laughs) immediately. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was, we kind of didn't have too much time to think about
0: it
1: and Mm -hmm. say oh do we want to do this and we just we just
0: did it and here we are two kids later oh wow (laughs) okay so where were you geographically um during your first pregnancy where were you living charlotte you were in charlotte Charlotte. north carolina gotcha Mm -hmm. so you had his family and your family around yep
1: we had both families we were completely spoiled we had help anytime we needed it Mm. um And we took it all for granted (laughs) Um, until right before we had to move to Texas when I had finally reached a point in my treatment, my therapy, where I could, like, ask for help. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we were in a routine of having help, and I had some mom friends who I could lean on, and then we moved 1,500 miles away to Texas, and we lost
0: all of that before gotcha so yeah i can see how that's that's tough um so okay so you were there with family um and friends throughout the pregnancy how was labor and delivery for your first child
1: (laughs) um terrifying so we did my husband and i we were so excited like the second we found out we were pregnant we went out and got like baby books the Mm -hmm. what to expect when you're expecting, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. We were like, we are going to be ready. And then I worked for the hospital because they were partnered with the cancer center. So we got all of the like baby classes for free. Mm, So we took just about all of the ones you could take. Oh, cool. And we were like, yes, ready. We even did um, a couple of the like the labor classes. It wasn't like Lamaze, but um, I don't remember we did them we felt prepared and then um the night i finally went into labor i would had braxton hicks for probably a week um, leading up to it and Mm -hmm. i was like okay maybe this is going to be it and that night i had laid in bed and i was getting contractions and they were getting worse and worse and my husband was like it's probably fine just get some sleep and then i had like i just laid there and i was just like repeating the um hail mary to <laughs> get through the pain <laughs> and then all of a sudden we heard a pop and a splash uh, and my water broke and i was like michael my water broke and he was like really and he came and looked and the mucus plug had come out on the floor and he was just like my <laughs> <gosh." So> he, <laughs> i was like well get ready i know and right
0: <laughs> this is just the beginning <laughs> yeah.
1: So um, he brought me my phone and we called the, you know, the call line that the doctor gives you if you're in labor and they ask you all those questions. And, and like, meanwhile, the contractions are just getting worse and worse and worse. And um, she was like, okay, well get dressed, get, you know, get to the hospital. And so my husband is driving me and the road from our house to the hospital is a straight shot, but it goes through an older part of Charlotte. So the roads were just, like, really bumpy. There were some potholes. Like, every time he hit, I was just like, I am not going to make it. Like, my body is going to break. Mm. This sucks. And then we got to the hospital, and I went crazy. I was, like, the lady in the movie who is, like, out of her mind in pain, <laughs> yelling at everybody. And because you get there, and they're asking you questions, like, who's your doctor? Yeah, like, blah, yeah. Blah, blah. And you're just like, do you not understand, like, <laughs> there is something going on down below that I don't have any experience with (laughs) and I'm terrified. So they finally get me to the maternity floor and um, the nurses were very sweet, but I was like beside myself because I did not, nobody prepared me for the pain. Like they don't describe what it's going to feel like. So I was like, and I think what I was probably feeling was just like, that pre push feeling yeah. where the, the extreme pressure down yeah. below because I was like, and I'm, I don't mean to be crude, but I was like, I can't tell if I have to push yeah. or if I have to poop. Yeah. Like I don't know what the <laughs> feeling is and it was so awful. And I was already six and a half centimeters when they put me on the table to check me out. And I was like, I, you have to give me an epidural. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot do this. And my husband told me later, he was like, honey, they didn't want to give you that epidural. I was like, what are you talking about? They were like, they said you were dilating like at a quick pace. Like they didn't want to do it. But I couldn't, I couldn't hang. So they they gave me the epidural. (laughs) And then, um, and then I felt better and I calmed down and I apologized to everybody for being a maniac. And then, um, at, I think it was like six thirty. I was fully dilated, and they told me to push, and uh, but it took two hours to wow. get him out. Um, so that was rough. Yeah, but but then he was there, and he was awesome. And that first night in the hospital, I was like beside myself. I was like, "This is amazing! Look at this little tiny creature we made." And but he was a very from the beginning a very. Um, Vocal baby, just a lot of crying, especially mm. that first night. And my husband, like his face, you could just see like the shell shock. He was just like, What have we done? I know,
0: right? It's real now.
1: I like, He's perfect. <laughs> 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 uh, so that was
0: our, yeah, that's um, which I'm sure like a lot of first time parents can identify with those same <laughs> like feelings and in all of that emotion. What was it? like, within those first weeks and first months with him?
1: Um, exhausting. Mm-hmm. I think I just, I feel like I never woke up. You know, you're just, he, I breastfed with him, and I was, you know, um, stuck on the idea of breastfeeding for a full year because mm-hmm. that's what everybody tells you. It's just the best thing, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, okay, we are going to do it and well he was a very hungry baby and so he ate just like around the clock all the time Mm. I mean until he was probably whenever you start spacing it out a little more Mm -hmm. like six months or something um and um so I just felt like I always had him on my boob and then we would fall asleep like in the bed feeding him and I would wake up just like terrified that something was gonna that I was going to roll over him or whatever. Even after I'd put him in, like, the little cot next to our bed, I would wake up with that panic. Mm -hmm. So I just never really slept. And then then he developed a milk protein allergy Mm. that turned into more of, like, a protein allergy. Mm. So in order to keep breastfeeding him, I basically subsisted on oatmeal and, like, um, dried cranberries Mm. and anything just, like, super bland, no... No protein because um, he couldn't do the soy, he couldn't do fish, he couldn't do a- anything. And then I developed a hiatal hernia. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so then, but then I was like, no, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing this. And then um, I, you know, it just, it was hard. It was exhausting and it was hard. Um, and it wasn't until probably he turned five months where I was like, Oh, this is fun. Like, this is good. Uh, when, when you know, they can interact a little bit more and yeah. um, it's not, things don't feel quite as emergent mm-hmm. as they do in those first few months.
0: And I like how you said, like, it wasn't until five months where you could say that, that it was fun because you know how society makes it seem like oh, as soon as as they're here, you know, the Mm -hmm. angels come out and, like, it's just, you know, it works. Like, it's easy. Like, you just kind of figure it out and it's okay. (laughs) But it is taxing. And especially, like, if you haven't experienced this before to, like, have to adjust. And especially if they come with, like, colic or protein allergy or trying to readjust. Uh And then you readjust your diet and then you're not sleeping. It is a lot.
1: yeah and they don't and people you know the same people that are like oh it's so great motherhood and the newborn phase and it's like yes they're precious and they smell amazing Mm -hmm. at that phase but you know there's also a lot going on with us our hormones are changing Mm -hmm. dropping right rising so Mm -hmm. you're still having the heat flashes your body's recovering your hair is falling out like all of these things. And nobody asks the mom how she's doing. Right. You know, that's why that Meghan Markle thing was such a big thing a few right. months ago. yes. Was because she was like, oh, you know, people don't ask that. Yep. Thank you. Right. Um, and it's true. You know, everybody wants to come see the baby. And they're like, oh, can we bring you some food so we can come hold the baby? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, uh, yeah, okay. Um, so it's just, yeah, I, I, I think... I think some moms are able to kind of block all that stuff out and everything is magical and wonderful and beautiful always. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe because I had that added uh, postpartum depression and anxiety, maybe that's why I haven't been able to. And yeah. so whenever I know a mom is pregnant or whatever, I'm always very uh, cautious and quick to make sure they're okay mm-hmm. that they have what they need, not, you know, every, they've got all the baby stuff, but yeah, you know, um, and I definitely just tell them the the ugly truths about things because I think everyone is better off prepared. You know, you can, if you can prepare for the worst and hope for the best, that yeah. way if something does happen, you could be like, oh, well, it's sucks, but it's not that bad. Yes. You know, <laughs> I don't right. know. It's just, you can manage your expectations if you know more of what could be coming.
0: Right. I totally agree. So when you said that you guys were in Charlotte at this point and you were kind of having some challenges in that period, did you reach out to family and friends to help or did you want to try to figure it out on your own? Um,
1: so I, I just kept saying I was tired mm-hmm. and I had a couple of mom friends who had their babies at the same time who... We're doing really good, but I realized also that it was because they were better at asking for help. Yeah. I was terrible at asking for help. I was like, I got this. It's fine. Um, I hate pumping, so I'm not going to pump. We'll just do a few breaths, blah, blah, blah. It's fine. I just made everything harder on myself because yeah. I thought I should be able to do it by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband was the first one who, uh, I think, our son was like nine months old or so and my husband's like you are not just tired there is something wrong mm. like please could you get some help?" so i had been on um anti-anxiety stuff before i had my son and then um i reached out to my ob ob team mm-hmm. you know you have to see everybody and um they said okay, well, we'll increase it a little bit, and then a couple weeks later, it wasn't helping, so I called back, and (laughs) I'll never forget it. I was just, like, in tears because I just felt so terrible, Mm -hmm. and I just needed help, and um, I was experiencing a lot of... I was crying all the time, and I was experiencing a lot of that postpartum rage, Mm -hmm. like, stupid things would make me upset, and I could not calm down yeah um and um so I called and they were just like um doctor so-and-so says you should just call a psychiatrist Mm. and I was like but I'm calling you because I don't have one like I you know and so I had to um I think that night after I had fed my son or while I was feeding him I um looked on the I was just googling like postpartum depression um, and, uh, found the postpartum support international mm. website, found a coordinator through them, good. found a therapist through them who found me a psychiatrist,
0: Good. who put me on the loft and saved me. That is awesome. So. That is good. <laughs> and that's also good yeah. that you didn't like stop at that point, you know, of like, the doctor's office telling you, you should, you, we're not gonna, you know, do anything for you. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, you didn't just like, well, you know, whatever, and throw it on the back burner. That you were very right. adamant about, no, let me try to figure this out. And I don't know if this is something that we've ever talked about, but I'm on the Georgia chapter board for Postpartum Support International. Oh, nice. And it's, it was so rewarding to hear you talk about it because PSI is something that's been around for a long time. Um, And it's one of those things, like, as much as, you know, we try to drive the mission of screening mothers and giving them resources and and help, it's still kind of like one of those things. If you know, you know, but if you don't know, you don't know. And it's trying to, like, make sure everybody knows so that Uh everybody can get the help that they need. And I'm so glad that you were able to get connected and it made a world of a difference for you.
1: Yeah, I and I was shocked that my doctor didn't know about them or have their pamphlet somewhere mm-hmm. around the office mm-hmm. or whatever. Because once I found it, I was like, why Why did I have to find this on my own? Like, right. that's not how it should be. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've always been the type of person who doesn't react well to no. Mm. So the fact that the doctor was like, no, we can't help you. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, somebody needs to because I'm not okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that stubbornness is is why I was able to, you know, kind of flip them off in my head and say, okay, fine. Well, if you can't help me. I'll yeah. find someone who will. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, I think a lot of moms get discouraged when they hit that first roadblock from their own doctor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is why we have such horrible
0: um, maternal mortality right. rates in this country. Right. You're so right. Now, something that you said that was interesting is that your husband took notice and he said something just isn't right. What was his experience? I mean, because oftentimes like with mothers, if they experience postpartum depression, their husband can be having their own experience of trying to adjust or even Mm -hmm. just for them to be a support to mom. Um, Has he ever shared or told you what what it was like for him?
1: um he just says it was scary mm. um i think because again i would my emotions would swing so drastically i would be okay and then i would be crying and then i would just be like just this ball of rage trying to clean or do something or whatever mm-hmm. and at this time he had just started um a job as like an independent contractor for the company he works for now and was also going to grad school to get his MBA and so he had a lot going on so I put it on myself that like I can't bother him for help I need mm. to handle everything he was working from home too mm-hmm. which was great but for some reason, it just made me feel extra, like, I can't bother him, I need to deal with this stuff on my own, I need to, I, 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 I. Mm-hmm. and he was just like, you gotta relax, and I was like, I'm just tired, I'm just tired, it's overwhelming, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And, and then one night, we had, I think it was the night that he said, you gotta get some help, was we had had a, an argument over something completely ridiculous, I don't, a clue what it was now Mm -hmm. um but i had just been like you know if i'm so terrible just leave me divorce me Mm -hmm. or something and um and then solved and then got mad i mean it was just like uh, living with a crazy person for lack of i mean you're not crazy when you're going through that it's all hormones but you know to people who have never experienced it it's like whoa what is going on yeah um so (laughs) Um, I'm grateful that he, that that, one, that he said it, it Mm -hmm. could have been just as easy for him to not and move on and, you know, um, I'm grateful he said it and I'm grateful somehow I heard him and, and followed through. Um, uh, so. Right. So yeah, he just, w- whenever he talks about it, he was like, it just, it was just scary. Mm. So, and, I, and I have no doubt. Yeah. It, it was scary for, for me too. It was
0: Absolutely. Not fun. And another good thing is that you were receptive to going to therapy, receptive to being on medication. Because a lot of mothers don't want to say anything. Um, they don't want to look weak or they don't want to look like, you know, they can't handle it or the stigma around mental health. When ultimately, you know, the experience of postpartum depression or anxiety is very common. And a lot uh-huh. of mothers just have a, a difficult time because of horno- hormones, in addition to a lot of circumstances or whatever they may be dealing with prior to becoming motherhood that spills over into postpartum. It's just like so many factors. What do you feel like was something in you that made you very vulnerable in counseling for it to be very effective for you? Is it something because like you've been exposed to it before or what do you think it was?
1: I had done therapy before, but I think the reason I was able to keep doing the work was the first therapist that I had in Charlotte was, she was like, if, if you're not well, mm-hmm. nobody's well. Mm-hmm. And, and that spoke yep. to that part of me that's like, I have to do this. I have to do this. It was like, oh, I also have to take care of me so that I can take care of the other things. Right. And so that was enough motivation for me to um, suck it up and mm. keep going and talk about the things that, you know, Fear me, make me sound like a terrible person, you know, just get it all out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the other thing that I've learned in my years of going to therapy is that if you sugarcoat or lie Mm -hmm. or anything in in therapy, you are doing yourself a huge disservice Mm -hmm. because you're never going to get past whatever it is that brought you in there in the first place.
0: Yep. You're so right. That is so true. Um, okay, so fast forwarding. After you had your first, you got into counseling, um, got on medication, and uh, things. You know, you had the support, you had the resources, you were learning how to advocate for yourself and ask for help if you needed it. Um, did you plan the second, or was it <laughs> not not preventing not plan <laughs> Or what what was that like?
1: So, <laughs> um. The time, the timeline is wonky. So the time when we had that fight, my son, by that point, when I was finally in therapy with the therapist, he, he had like just turned one. Mm. And we had, my husband and I had talked about having another. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think at that point, I, I had a therapist um, and we had talked about it. Well, the, um, I got pregnant. Like, I mean, we just talked about it and then yeah. boom, mm-hmm. pregnant. And so, um, around that time is when the psychiatrist was like, okay, well, this is the medicine we're going to put you on. It's totally safe while you're pregnant. And, um, so, so yeah, he had just, my son had just turned one when we found out we were pregnant with number two. Mm. And um, I was like, oh, gosh, I'm not well enough for number two yet. Like, we had just talked about it, you know. And I just felt like my mental health was still a little too precarious um, at the time. But, I mean, we just, of course, went for it. So Gotcha. Do you feel like... And that was... No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say that was scary, too, because we found out really early, just like with my son. Like, it showed up on the test immediately Mm -hmm. um but it was too early to hear a heartbeat at the gyno when they did the the ultrasound Mm -hmm. so at the first ultrasound they were like oh we didn't hear anything it might not be viable Mm. stay tuned and I was like they're wrong I can feel it I know they're wrong but still that sits with you and you're just like oh my gosh could this be um a miscarriage Mm. and you know, that brings its own weight and sadness and emotions. And, um, so that was another, another thing that was hard. And I think an extra level of anxiety, I probably carried the whole pregnancy just because of that one too early ultrasound. I was like, well,
0: you know, is it, isn't it? Right. Which is a whole another layer of worrying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you feel like having had the experience with your first pregnancy, um, and getting the help, learning coping skills and strategies, do you feel like that made your postpartum experience better for your second child? Nope. No. Uh, Okay. And the,
1: so we, we were in Texas. We moved from Charlotte to Texas when I was seven months pregnant. Mm Um, and as soon as we got there, I called the PSI tractor to try to get um, or the coordinator or whatever to try to find a therapist there. Mm-hmm. And I um, went to a practice that was um, where I would have access to the midwives instead. Mm-hmm. And so I had a great midwife who helped me find the therapist that I would have for the entire three years we were there. And then um, she also uh, recommended doula. Mm to help. That's a great idea. Um, and that was the best decision we ever made was that doula. Yeah. Her name was Amber and I just worshipped her. She was mm-hmm. so fabulous. And um uh <laughs> she got me fully dilated at home, got to the hospital with ten centimeters, they popped my water and um my daughter was born like Five pushes later wow um completely natural no epidural it was awesome wow. i felt like wonder woman <laughs> uh, um but um so i have a therapist in place i went regularly before i had my daughter um and then we did like two calls on the phone while i was you know recovering mm-hmm. and she was still so little um and um but it, it was like maybe a couple, well, my mother-in-law says it was like days in, she knew something was wrong, mm. but, um, cause she, they were, they stayed with us to help with my son while we were in the hospital. Um, and so she saw it early, but knew I was going to a therapist already. So it was like, okay, well I'll just, you know, mind my business. Um, and, uh, I feel like around four weeks, four to six weeks is when all of a sudden the bottom dropped out. Mm -hmm. And, um, again, with the rage, the anxiety, the not sleeping, the, um, the depression kind of escalated Mm -hmm. and, um the psychiatrist that I first went to down there she had put me on this medicine that just like it made me suicidal Mm. it's so hard for me to even say that word but because it was such a scary thing to feel I had never yeah felt that as an adult um and it was terrifying with two little kids who rely on you for everything to feel that way yeah um so it was a lot worse the second time and it took um about six months for me to again listen to my husband and switch psychiatrist because he was like you are not getting better mm-hmm. um and so I found a new psychiatrist who was really great at listening and um went over you know all the medications I'd been on previously, what had happened after Dean was born and that postpartum period. And, um, she simplified my, um, medication treatment and I, I got better. Oh, good. Um, so it, it was, it was rough, but it was after Mm. that time that my mother-in-law was like,
0: you need to write a book about all this. Mm. (laughs) So that that's what that's prompted. That's how we got him. there. Ah, yeah. okay. And what was, which first, I, I am I think you have a great support team, and it's amazing, like how you and your husband work. Like for him to just identify the things that are just off and, and what's not working, and, and really trying to be that support for you, and then you being receptive to it, and you knowing how you want to show up for your family and you want to show up for yourself that's amazing. Um, and then even, you know, to, to turn it into a book. So what was that experience like?
1: Um, it was really hard. Um, I, uh, I'm usually not a planner when I write stuff because when I was a newspaper reporter, you know, you just take notes on whatever it is you're reporting on and then you go dump it into a story of a couple hundred words or whatever. And, mm-hmm. um, when I would write for like fun, like fiction pieces or whatever, I would just kind of like see where the story takes me. Mm -hmm. But this was a lot, um, obviously a lot more serious and I wanted to make sure I did it right and wrote it so that anybody could read it and understand it Mm -hmm. and get something from it. And so I, um, you know, I, I planned it out. I had a plan for what each chapter was going to look like, who I wanted to talk to for things. And um, I reached out to um, uh, the community that I kind of built online to say, hey, I'm working on a project. Do you have a story that you want to share that you feel comfortable talking about your postpartum experience? Um, and then I I started doing research into the statistics, mm-hmm. Um and things like that. Um, I interviewed a therapist who specialized in um, perinatal mental health. Um, And um, my story is a very tiny part of it. Um, You know, it's just the intro Mm -hmm. because the rest I wanted to make sure was the resources that I was looking for when I needed them and didn't know where to start. Mm -hmm. Um, So like the emergency numbers, uh you know for the helpline the postpartum support international helpline or the um the national suicide prevention hotline things like that websites resources for dads um uh it 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 took me i probably about six months start to finish if you look at it like that but i had to take breaks because it, it was very triggering um, even reading some of the women's stories was like, "Oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not ready for that yet." So yeah. I would just take a step back, right? Um,
0: and I can see how. Well, first, I love the title of it being "Good Moms Have Bad Days" because I think that that's so perfectly said. We think that, again, society um, thinks that if you're a good mother, then you don't, you know lose your crap sometimes, or that you don't yell, or that you don't yeah. you know, have meltdowns, and it's just like butterflies and arts and crafts all day, but <laughs> it, it can be like that on Monday, but Tuesday, if you are just like having a not good day for lack nah. of sleep, or your mood is just off, or the kids are just on 110... And you're just not, like, feeling it. And you may need to go sit in your bathroom with the door locked for a second Mm -hmm. to gather yourself. It doesn't mean that you're a bad mother. It means that you are human and that you're doing the best that you can. But you still love your children and you're still trying to, like, fight the fight to get through this. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I think the... Um, speaking of hiding, I did that the other day. I went to the grocery <laughs> store to pick up a few things and I just hid in the car for a little bit after yeah. I got what I needed. Cause I was like, I'm not ready to go back and face the yelling and the, no, I don't want to, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, how are you guys are so sassy? You're five yeah. and three. I don't get it.
0: Um,
1: but the, you know, to talk about the title again, it, it encompasses a lot, but, and I also wanted it to kind of encompass and I think it does in the book itself just the idea that like you know you can have a bad morning but still the afternoon might look totally different like use an app to reset things or whatever because you know it might start out butterflies and crafts and you know a healthy nutritious breakfast and then all go to just chaos because you are with children Mm -hmm. and there's no rhyme or reason to the way things happen sometimes and it's okay if you don't handle it like june cleaver like you know moms are i've never seen a group of people with so many expectations on them Mm -hmm. from other people and themselves Mm -hmm. like it's just it's unreal it's a it's a hard habit to break to get To the point where you can give yourself that grace to be like, you know what? I am a good mom. Mm -hmm. And I show up for my kids. I just might not always show up in the best mood. Yes. And that's okay.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And what I love about it is because it's, you know, you have, there's so many new motherhood or pregnancy after birth books. And a lot of them don't really go into the reality of motherhood. So it's really refreshing to hear how yours is like resources, tools, other stories, because people just don't talk about it. And people often yeah. like to sugarcoat the experience. And then when people are in it, then they're like, no one prepared me for this. I didn't know what this is. And then that causes them to have shame because they don't feel like they are living up to these stories or expectations other people have painted and that wasn't even the reality of it all so that's that's great that you have this and people can you know learn so much from that and take that with them on their journey
1: and we we've just fought because of social media I did it too when I first had my son you fall into that trap of like oh I'll follow this mommy blogger because maybe she'll have some good ideas on how to puree baby food or, Mm -hmm. or whatever. But then those same blogs are the ones that are like the, the toxic positivity kind of like, Oh, look, I'm always, my hair's always done and my makeup's always perfect. Mm -hmm. And I'm just the happiest mother in the world. Motherhood is all I've ever wanted. It's (laughs) perfect. And then you feel bad. You feel not enough. Like you're slacking or, You're frumpy because you're still in yoga pants. And thankfully now we're all in yoga pants. Yes, we are. (laughs) But, um, you know, I talk about it in the book that you have to be really strategic in how you build your space, like Mm -hmm. your bubble. You need to protect yourself if you are following an account that even makes you feel a tiny bit, like, bad about yourself or jealous or what block, delete, unfollow, whatever it is you have to do because someone else's reality is not going to be yours. Right. And that line has gotten so fuzzy
0: with all of the different social media things that we're on. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is so true. Yeah. Um, My last question is, what advice would you give to a mother that is fearful of taking that first step into making an appointment with a therapist? Like they are aware that they're just not who they are and something's not right, but they just have a lot of fear about talking to a stranger about what they're experiencing. What would you suggest to them? Um, Just do it. I know
1: it's scary, um, but, you know, it, maybe it would work like it did for me. You know, you have to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. in order to take care of your children and your family. And, um, I think one of the metaphors, one of my therapists used was like, you know, if, if you go down the whole ship sinks, like there's, you are a big hole. (laughs) If something should happen to you, there's, it's going to take a lot to fill it and Mm -hmm. to take care of. And that's not to put extra pressure on you, but, In order to, you know, meet your own expectations of how you want to be for your kids, you got to take care of yourself first Mm -hmm. because you matter. Um, How you treat yourself matters. Mm -hmm. You want your kid to grow up knowing that it's okay to put themselves first with these things, with their mental health, their physical health. Um, And by gosh, I have learned that taking care of your mental health is, As important, if not more, than taking care of your physical self. Because if mentally you are not well, you're not going to want to get up and go for a walk. You're not going to want to eat right. You're Mm -hmm. not going to want to, you just aren't going to be able to take care of yourself. And that's just going to make things a lot harder. Um, And another thing that I I was thinking about today is because I think some people think that, you know, therapy is a is a easy thing and you can just go a couple Mm, times and be mm, done mm, with it mm -hmm. um it's not it's a commitment to yourself to keep going and working through things because like I found that once I started going I was like oh there's also all of these other unresolved things that have probably contributed to the severity of my postpartum
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um that are now being dealt with or have been dealt with um and um, you know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, well, it gets, it gets easier as the kids get older. And what I've realized is it absolutely does not get easier, mm. but you get better at handling it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it seems easier because you are in a place where you're like, okay, I got this. Like right. Their tantrum is not going to make you fall apart right? because you're like, I'll give it five minutes, it's going to pass. And so, it's just, um, this is a really long-winded answer, but it's just, I cannot stress enough the importance of getting yourself that help to give yourself the tools to take care of you. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, it's another thing people don't teach us. Right. We're just expected to be, we're just expected to be. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, what does that look like? How do we do that? Um, and I think therapy is one of
0: the biggest tools in figuring that out. Yes. So, so well said. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, so, for all of our listeners, where can they find you? Where can they buy the book? Where can they follow you and your writing? Where do they need to go?
1: Um, so, the website is goodmomshavebaddays.com, all one word. Um, I'm on Instagram, Good Moms Have Bad Days. Um, and the book is available on Amazon as a book or ebook. Um, I've been saying for six months now that an mm. audiobook is coming. I have all the stuff to record it. I just haven't done it yet because <laughs> I just haven't had the the capacity, um, thanks to COVID. So, um, <laughs> but hopefully that will be coming, and hopefully I will um, do a better job of updating the blog and all of that good stuff. Mm. Those, so.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, (laughs) Erin. Of course, thanks so much for having me. (laughs)